This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Patrick Strait in studio. He's putting on his hat. There he's got his hat. Hey, there we go. You know, she doesn't have to sit next to you like that. She's just being a pain in the ass, Patrick. (laughs) You know how that goes. She's going to do the mom thing. She's going to smack my leg if I say anything she doesn't like. You cut that out, Patrick. Damn it. Funny thing about Minnesota, the rise, fall, and rebirth of the Twin Cities comedy scene. I I cannot wait to talk to you about this, about your book, uh, about all the people I missed severely. I mean, we've gotten to the point. My son Andy uh, is part of the family podcast, and... He became really good friends with Gilbert Gottfried, and mm. Gil- we lost Gilbert. And it's, yeah. like, it's been tough, Patrick. What the hell? Yeah, it was weird. I'm, <clears throat> I mean, I'm glad that I got to to write the book when I did, but yeah. then I started to feel like maybe I was the maybe I was the bad luck guy. You know, Your fault. like all of a sudden it was like. <laughs> Scott died and Louie died, and if you were in that book, your days were numbered. So I don't know if your name's mentioned in there, but if it is, I'm just saying. Oh, got it. I'll, I'll take my my responsibility for it. So uh, there you go. Patrick's here. No, no, I need him alive. Last I've been legs. riding his coattails for so long. Oh, uh, you know, here's what I love about this. I, uh, comments on the book. Louis Anderson's one of them. Jay Elvis Weinstein. Oh, I still love the fact. Do people know why he changed his name to Jay Elvis? I don't know. I don't know if that's actually like out there. If that's a real public, because he for a long time he did just go by Weinstein. He did, and or just by Josh Weinstein. And then yeah, I don't know why did he change his name. I don't know if I even know. Oh, you don't know? I don't know. Okay, J. Elvis Weinstein. Just go with the initials. Oh, I see what he did. There. <laughs> I see what he did there. And that's he goes with Jew. That is extremely. That's extremely Josh. Yes. Oh, that's Josh all <laughs> that's, the way. That's isn't Josh. It? Yes. I just, I'm also, I love that he was like, I need to have something that's more Jewish than Weinstein. Like yeah. we, we know Josh. We know, buddy. Like we got you. <laughs> what a great business. What a great. What inspired you to do the book? Yeah, no, I'm, you know it's funny because I've I've covered comedy in the Twin Cities here for gosh, 14, 15 years now, yeah. and. Um, you know, you hear there's all this lore, right? You hear all these stories about these guys who, you know, you're Scott Hansons and obviously Louie. But, I mean, sure. you're like, you know, you mentioned uh, Jeff Cesario before right. and, you know, folks like that. And I feel like it was one of those there. there's all these stories out there, but there really wasn't like a definitive history that told people, especially with how big comedy is in the Twin Cities now, where a lot of that history started from. So when I get together right. at the Historical Society, they had the same questions. They said, well, what? Why, why is it such a big deal? And where did this all start? And mm-hmm. so... That's when, you know, I mean, my honestly, the, the easiest answer is my own personal fandom and curiosity. You know, I wanted to know. You know, I'd never right. had the opportunity to meet Scott Hansen. I'd never had the opportunity to really, I think I'd interviewed Louis, but it was always very like, hey, you've got a show coming up here or whatever the case is. Never got to hear his whole story. So, you know, for me, just as a fan, it was awesome to get to actually talk to these guys and understand the, the history and hear, hear their versions of some of the things that happened. It's funny because you'd hear the same story from multiple perspectives and they would be slightly different versions so so that was oh, always yeah. kind of fun yeah. too oh, you yeah. got to decide who who was living in the gray there so <laughs> it's a good place Some to live people. by the yes. way the gray. yes a lot of these guys have real real selective memories when it comes to who pissed off who and whose fault it was oh yeah so, oh yeah oh yeah well you know and i tell a story it's my favorite story about comedy and i tell it way too much but did you ever hear the story about cesario meeting Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, I was listening when you were talking to Adam a little bit about it. So, I mean, I, I've heard I've heard bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever heard the whole complete. It's deal very now. very quick, but I know I tell the story a lot, but I just love it. Cesario flies out 
to Hollywood. He's moving out there to produce some shows and do stand-up comedy and all the rest of it. And he's picked up at the airport by Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. And they're walking around Hollywood and just having a good time and all the rest of it. He says to him, hey, Jeff, uh, would you like to meet uh, Rodney Dangerfield? He's down at the comedy store. And we, he's, he's, matter of fact, yeah. off stage right now. You want to go down and meet him? He goes, God, I'd love to meet Rodney Dangerfield. That's wonderful. So Cesario tells me he's all excited and he's just jacked up to get down there and meet the legend. He's already with one legend. And they go down there, and just as they get there, Rodney's coming out to get in his limo. Mm -hmm. And they walk up, and Seinfeld says, Rodney, I'd like you to meet uh, a really good friend of mine. He's first day in town, brand new in town, great producer, great writer, great stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. Rodney, meet Jeff Cesario. Mm -hmm. And there's a long pause, and Rodney goes, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> it's one of the greatest ad libs I have ever heard in my life. That's a really good Rodney Dangerfield, by the way. I, I actually was asked to go on tour as him one time. I don't yeah, know, maybe someday I'll do that. Are, Still time. It's spot on. I mean, your Roger Dangerfield mm. is legit. Roger Dangerfield. I mean, sorry, that's Rodney. What be, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what you're going to be on Rodney. tour as. Yes, it's like Gallagher Two. Right? You're Roger Dangerfield. That's Gallagher Two. Thanks for the I, comparison. I, there you go. Absolutely did that on purpose. Yes, you're you the did. Roger Dangerfield. Roger Dangerfield. Let me tell you. But no, I, uh, I that uh, those stories about comedians and and your love of the whole. So how did you get yourself so involved in in comedy? Uh, you just always knew you loved it. Yeah, I mean, when I first moved to Minnesota, you know, I I didn't have any. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends out Where here. Where were you from? I'm from uh, Metro Detroit, from Michigan. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So okay. when I moved out here. I didn't have anything else to do, so I started going to the comedy clubs and watching shows. And Phenomenal. then I, I was writing for uh, City Pages for a long time, and they yep. didn't really have a lot of comedy coverage. So I just kind of was like, oh, well, there's a cool niche I can fit into. And then just sort of snowballed, you know, between the fact that I actually was paying attention and I wasn't just writing about, you know, <laughs> yes. whatever kind of came, whatever press release came through. And the fact that, you know, I actually liked comedy and I wasn't writing the kind of hack pieces you'd see sometimes about comedy yeah. and things like that. I mean, you know, you were actually interviewing comics and doing real interviews with them before anybody else was. So you know what it's like. Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. And um, no, I mean, that's kind of what got people people interested. And then the Historical Society read a bunch of my stuff, and that's what kind of what got them them connected with me, too, is they were like, oh, okay, this guy actually actually wants to write about comedy. It's not like a, an assignment. So... I think that's very important because that was my next question to you. How were you received at first when people didn't at first know who you were? Did they step up and help? For the book, you mean? <clears throat> well, just the, or just in general. In general and then the book. Well, Tom, here's what I've come to learn about comedians. It's they really like attention. Yes, so they do. So if you tell that's them, true. I would like to talk about you <laughs> in the newspaper, they are extremely accommodating to you all of a yeah, sudden. They're like, yeah. wait, you want to talk about me? About like, And, and I can... <laughs> I can talk more about myself. Yes, let's do it. So that was not a challenge. Um, and then the book was the same way. You know, honestly, it was it was kind of funny because I think a lot of these these folks, you know, not just the guys on the cover, but a lot of mm -hmm. people in it, they they have this kind of you know soft spot where they hadn't thought about a lot of these stories in years, and it was kind of a, a trip down memory lane for them to think about the. Oh yeah, you know, I remember going to to Mickey Finn's and I remember going oh, yeah. to, you know, the yep. the Haha ha Club and I remember going to, you know, different places like this along the way. And so for them, yes, they were super helpful, but I think a lot of it was just they were excited to relive some of those stories and to to talk about the old days and remember jog their memory about some of the things that that, you know, either they had forgotten about or maybe they had wished they had forgotten about. So You just gave me a really bad memory. Thank you. Hey, it's what I do best. <clears throat> I go into Mickey Finn's. 
I don't remember the kid's name. It, mm-hmm. This was a million years ago. I'm sitting in the audience, and this kid comes out wearing a miner's helmet. As soon as you see a costume, <clears throat> you know it's going to be good. You know yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> He's wearing a miner's helmet. has got the whole deal. And he tells about five jokes, and nobody is responding. <laughs> oh, no. that's so rough. And it got much worse. Oh, no. Because he then grab, puts his hands on the microphone. He drops his head down, and he goes, please laugh. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Jesus. I oh, would have been like oh, this. Look at the time. I got a head to the... Oh, it was, I, I literally almost started crying. I would have been such oh. a stage mom. I would have been like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd be hitting other people. Oh. We are laughing. Oh, no. I don't know. Which is worse? When, when somebody gets sad like that? Or when then they get indignant like it's your fault? Yeah. I know. You guys just don't get it. You don't understand oh. the, the highbrow humor I'm bringing to the table here in my miner's helmet. You're the problem. I always love when you get that on stage, too. I'm like, no, you just suck. Like, don't don't blame me. I yeah. couldn't agree more. Is there? I want to ask you and Rudy this question. Yes. Is there one person who first inspired you to get involved in covering it and doing it or whatever is there one person you said i'd like i'd like to interview that person uh yeah for me it was alonzo bowden from oh, uh, yes. yeah who won uh last comic standing he right. made, i don't know if it was the first season it was one of the first seasons but Long time ago. he was the first person i ever saw do comedy in minnesota because i went down to acme i lived downtown and i walked down there because i literally googled like things to do in minneapolis and acme came up Mm -hmm. and i got there and it's funny because i you know i didn't know anything about this i didn't know that weekend shows sold out and like people wanted to go to comedy shows um but i got there and there was this couple who were in a knockdown drag out fight with the management (laughs) because they showed up too late and their seats got given away Uh where it's like if you don't show up you know 15 minutes before the show they reserve the right to give your seats away and they're like well we have one seat and they're like well me and my wife both need to come in here and I slid in front. I said, well, I'm by myself, so I'll take your one seat. And they brought me in. So, well, that's nice. So Alonzo Bowden was the first comic <laughs> I ever got to see. And it's funny because I, I didn't interview him until last year. It's finally the first time I actually interviewed him, which was kind of a weird circle of life moment for mm-hmm. me. And, no, great guy, super funny. But that was the first time that I was ever like, oh, wow, these guys who I've seen on TV who are big-time celebrities, right. like, they come to your town and they they do shows at your your little club. And, you know, you, you can – Feel like you could touch them if you wanted to. You probably shouldn't. But probably you could not. if you wanted to. Probably so. not. So that would be mine. Rudy, what about you? For me, I, growing up, fifth grade was A&D's Evening at the Improv. And I saw all oh, these yeah. people mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any of their names. In fact, I go back and I rewatch them because they're on Amazon Prime. And I, I lo and behold, Dave Chappelle has an A&E's Eating Improv. Does Doug Stanhope. Really? Guys, you've never even... Oh, and this, this is not like the Dave Chappelle that we know today. This is a fresh-faced 19-year-old Dave Chappelle who's doing jokes about Batman and Robin. Yeah. Not the Dave Chappelle today. 100 and, pounds less muscle Dave oh, Chappelle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Super yeah. skinny. Yeah. 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 He's got on a small children's t-shirt and it's still four sizes too yeah. big. Like that mm-hmm. guy. But the guy that I remember watching on a loop, when I was 14, I went to a friend's house because they had HBO. And they showed me the George Carlin special. Oh, yeah. And he's dressed yeah. in all black, and he's kind of in that library, and he's pacing, and he's kind of hunched over at that time, and he's just kind of curmudgeon And that was the first guy that really inspired me to go, oh, my gosh, you can say those things on a stage, and people will listen, and then they will laugh? That's amazing. And that was the first guy that I really, like, clamored onto. I think that makes total sense. My first attraction to comedy for me was the Ed Sullivan Show and Alan King. Oh, yeah. I will never forget that. I thought he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Just loved it. Oh, I got to ask you a question, by the way. 
We're talking to Patrick Strato's book, Funny Thing About Minnesota, The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth, Twin Cities Comedy Scene. Is that Mordahl on the bottom? No, that is actually... Oh, uh, thank God. It's the best he's ever looked. No, that's Alex Cole. Oh, it's Alex Cole, Alex really? Cole. Yeah, with the long flowing locks. God, I haven't seen Alex in years. Yeah, obviously. he's actually oh back God. in town. He actually is lives he? in Minnesota again. Yeah. yeah, it does look like Mordal. Doesn't it look like Mordal t- cleaned I up? I was gonna make fun of you, but you're so right. It that does. does look like Mordal. Yes. It can't be Mordal. He's clean. Yeah, I see Alex Cole. <laughs> I see him running around. He's uh, always oh, hanging at the clubs. Yeah, he still has like the backwards Great golf guy. cap that he wears, and yeah, still hanging. Oh yeah, he yeah. looks like he is. He is fresh out of his 1985. Uh, special taping yeah. he is, he's still the same really? guy but yeah. oh no and he is such a there's such a lore about Alex even you know when I was doing the book yeah. I talked to yep. people and as soon as you brought up Alex Cole it was like the conversation changed in a good way it was like good. oh man when Alex Cole would get on it was like watching a, a superstar you know you'd go into these yeah. shows and when Alex got up everybody would sit down and be quiet and watch the show and, and it was funny because I don't think, and I mean, I don't know, maybe Rudy, maybe you know better than I, I don't think he does comedy at all anymore. I mean, I think that maybe every once in a while he'll dabble, but I know that he got into music with his sons and things like that. And so, you know, when I finally got to talk to him and then I finally got to, to hear some of his stories, he's such a, like... Kind of like Mordahl, actually, where it's like, well, you know, yeah, I did comedy. It was, yeah. it was just a thing. It was so yeah. like nonchalant. And then you hear about this legend that surrounds him, and you're yeah. like, oh, you, you didn't take this. You know, to be to be the same level of uh, of celebrity that some people did. Kind of like you were talking with, you know, Adam about before. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't realize like, oh wow, people really think that I'm I'm a good comic. He, and I'm a big deal. Yeah. By the way, that's not phony either, and, and you could speak to that as well. When he says things like, "Well, I'm not that great," yeah, he, he's not kidding. Genuinely yeah. feels that way he about does. himself. Yeah. He absolutely yeah. does. Uh, real guy. quick with Alex Cole, I was supposed to be on a show with him last week, and I don't know if he no showed or just decided to not do it. But I was he was on the bill when I got there. Oh, really? And yeah, and then he did not get on stage. Really? So I don't know if he just took the night off or didn't even realize he was booked to be on that show. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. But so apparently, still a little bit. I mean, because he was a judge for the Twin Cities Funniest Person with a Day Job contest, but I I, I have not seen him on stage in forever. You're in the book. I I thought I put him in the book. Absolutely. Yes. Forget it. You're in the book. If my oh, picture see, can't be on the cover. That's true. <laughs> see, I thought you were going to ask for your money. I thought you were going to start asking about residuals. Oh, see, what's yeah, the residual deal? Look at no, I. Well, that's nice of you. No, I, I mean you. Either. I mean, and I'm not trying to stroke your ego, but I mean, like Does that it say was. Say what an asshole. In oh there? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I mean, <laughs> just but that's actually a uh, quote. You know I didn't write that. That's just a quote. I, yeah, from I'm actually going to put it here in the. Uh, <laughs> The, the side. Oh, we'll um, yeah, yeah, thanks. But no, thank I mean, you. You, were, you were somebody who actually got mentioned a lot, and it was because, you know, back in those days, I mean, this is obviously pre-internet and pre-social media yeah, and all those sure. things. You know, media was everything. If you could get in the newspaper, if you could get on the radio, like, that was how people learned there was stand-up comedy even in town, and nobody was giving them that, except for you. Nobody you were the guy who that. was bringing right. people in here, and that's a huge deal. I mean, I think genuinely, I'm just going to go ahead and inflate your ego, would Twin Cities comedy have gotten as big as it did in the 80s without you? Maybe, but I think that you played a very big role in the fact that it got to that level of success and that these guys actually had that type of platform and built this reputation that's still out there today. And I think it's because you were willing to bring them in and you were willing to talk to these guys. Well, I did learn that. I, it was a lucky stroke deal because I was sitting, when I took that job at KQ, I was sitting in our house, our mm-hmm. apartment in New York City, uh, just doing voiceover. That's all I was doing. So I would literally go to a lot of shows, a lot of comedy clubs, all the rest of it, 
because I didn't have to get up early in the morning. Yes. So, you know, that was a nice deal. So basically me doing that, mm-hmm. when I got back to town here, um, I said, we're, I, I think you would hear Bob a hope on CCO about uh-huh. once a year. That's yeah. about it. But I said, why aren't you putting comedians on? I mean, comedians are phenomenal on the radio. Why aren't you doing that? And Dave Hamilton said, hey, Tom, you want to do comedians? That's great. That's how that whole thing started. Yeah. It just because I was used to it in New York. So when I got back here, it's like, well, let's do it here. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of funny. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the path I followed to, like you said, to cover comedy here is there's yeah. nobody doing it. And I said, yep. why aren't we talking to some of these folks? There's a lot of cool names that are starting to come up and we should really be spotlighting them. So same deal. And I mean, like you said, I mean, you talked about Mickey Finns and things like that. I mean, they're... There really wasn't a lot of an understanding that stand-up comedy was even something you could go see locally at that point. I mean, like, if, it was, if you knew about it, you knew about it. But, I mean, otherwise, you saw, like you said, you saw it on Johnny Carson. You knew it was in New York. You knew it was in L.A. But, like, you didn't know you could go see the stuff in downtown Minneapolis and no, the Northeast until didn't. you start talking about it. They didn't know. Uh, oh, Brittany, when, when was our first trip to Vegas? Do you remember our very first trip to Treasure Island? No. That had to be late 80s, early 90s. No, like and I've wasn't on the scene then. No, I, I know, mean, but I mean... But you, we listened, it was that? enthralling. I'll look it up. The re- only reason I'm asking that is we're sitting there, and I did not know that just having comedians on would blow up as big as it, yeah. it got. So I'm sitting there in Vegas, we're doing a show, and all of a sudden there's this kind of commotion in the back of the room, and I had never met him before. He's from here, but mm-hmm. I never met him. I look up and there's Louis Anderson. Mm-hmm. And... With Louis Anderson, his guy carrying 20 dozen donuts. He brought in. 20... <laughs> I already know who it is, so yes. <laughs> yeah. Louis makes Anderson. Sense. I mean, he brought in 20 boxes of donuts for the entire, well, not the entire audience, but 100 people or whatever the hell that would be. I'd be, what, 240 people, I guess. Yeah. But I'm like, and that struck me. I remember thinking, this guy's huge. I mean, he's in television, yeah. he's in movies, he's. Doing this, that, I mean, he's just, and that, that's when it struck me that this got a lot bigger than I thought it ever would, but then it really blew up after mm-hmm. that. And, and I, I have a lot, uh, I, owe a, I owe a lot to Louis Anderson. First of all, my mother and Louis Anderson were really good friends. Really? He was so nice to my mother. It was oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Well, you'll be happy to know your quote is right where they're talking about. How Louis did you Anderson. find that so quickly? Oh, I'm a genius. No, you're <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll tell you what, real quick, just because we already have Phil on and we don't have Phil for a long time. How about we take a break? Oh, we don't have Phil. We, on we, we, yeah, we don't. Have, uh, so let's take a break. Let's tease okay. that. We'll talk to Phil, and then as soon as we're done with Phil, we'll read the quote that was put in the book about Thomas. That's well, all right. Let's, let's not do that. Do that. I know you wouldn't want me to. I, that's why I just marked it for you to read later. You're a pill. I know. <laughs> what if there's more than one? quote you only found one i only found one <laughs> Brittany's actually helping me so she's like if you want to read that quote order now on amazon <laughs> there you go the name of the book ladies and gentlemen I love helping people make money would you read the name of the book oh yeah of course funny right. thing about minnesota the Very rise good. and fall and rebirth of the twin cities comedy scene by patrick Strait. we shall be right back this is the tom bernard morning show there's plenty of thoughts that come into your head when you think the name killabrew 
Of course, there's the Minnesota baseball legend, Harmon, who was responsible for many a favorite memory at the old Met Stadium in Bloomington, and many a baseball that ended up in the stands and in the gloves of adoring fans from his home runs. There's Killaroo Drive, the legendary road that connects Highway 77 to the Mall of America, and a day of shopping you'll never forget. My current thoughts for the name Killaroo is fun floats in our kitchen with my kids and grandkids. A cool, refreshing break in between innings at Target or CHS Field. Or maybe a perfect sunset paired with a sweet, frothy beverage after fishing or on your favorite walleye lake. Killebrew Root Beer and Cream Soda. Grab a six-pack at a grocery or convenience store near you. I'm Tom Bernard. This spring and summer, enjoy the one Killebrew Root Beer and Cream Soda. Gluten and caffeine-free with a generous portion of delicious thrown in. Killebrew, where memories are created and legends are made. Hi, this is Tom Bernard. My friends at Niemeyer Trailer Sales at their Albertville location just off Interstate 94 would like to extend a special offer going on now through the end of July. It's for all our Tom Bernard Morning Show listeners. When you visit their Albertville location, mention that you heard me, Tommy B., uh, tell you about this July-only savings opportunity on travel trailers and pickup campers. Now, you must be a qualified buyer, but here's the really good news. Receive up to $5,000 off the advertised price on all their new in-stock inventory. As always, terms and conditions do apply. Brands include Rockwood by Forest River, Arctic Fox by Northwood Manufacturing, Cirrus by New Camp, and more. Now is a real good time to buy and take your passion on the road with Niemeyer Trailer Sales. You can't just sit around. See my guys and gals at Niemeyer's in Albertville or peruse their current inventory at Niemeyer's.com. That's N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-S.com, Niemeyer's.com. The Up to the Five Grand Off sales event ends July 31st. Shop end-of-season deals during the truckload event at Lowe's. Right now, save on major appliances and get an additional 10% off in-store clearance appliances. Plus, take up to 50% off select patio furniture and accessories and save on select grills and outdoor power equipment. Great deals are happening now, in-store and online. Lowe's knows savings. Lowe's knows home improvement. Bound through 726. Exclusions apply. Watch supplies last. Selection varies by location. See Lowe's.com for details. So, if you've been following my progress with MinnesotaFatLoss.com, I've lost right at 27 pounds. And you can, too, with the MMFatLoss.com summer special, $200 off, now only through July 30th. I'm going into my maintenance phase. I can't recommend this program any higher. Of course, any fat loss program is going to take some effort. But honestly, with MMFatLoss.com comes secret to fat loss. This program was way easier than I expected. The maintenance program allows me to add back in some more of the foods I love and still maintain my weight loss. You will absolutely be able to lose weight like I've done and save $200 with their summer special. 200 bucks off now through July 30th. If you want to find out the secret to losing 20 to 30 pounds in just eight weeks, just like I'm doing, that's about a pound of fat every day. No exercise required. To schedule your free consultation, go to mnfatloss.com. That's mnfatloss.com. Results may vary. Be sure to tell the team at mnfatloss.com that Tom Bernard sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome the lovely and talented Phil Mackey. Score uh, yes, yes. Yes. I'll just I'll pause here for you to all shower me with praise. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Ooh, Great. Phil. Amazing. Yeah, talented. Did you, wait a second. Did you, uh, did you, you hear, do you hear that, uh, that in the background? What is that? Uh, what's that? What's that noise? Oh, oh. Ding, 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 ding. They're on a roll, baby. They won again last night. Let's get it. They won again yesterday, so that's a good thing. Oh, look, I, I, Phil, am I, am I nuts? They came back from the All-Star break, a completely different team. What happened? I mean, sometimes, I don't know, you just get away from here. And so, you know, you get away from your family for a few days. And you come back and, okay, okay, I guess I did, uh, I guess I did miss hanging around with them. Maybe they just needed like three or four days off from from seeing each other. So they are currently the hottest team in baseball. Mm -hmm. Eight wins in their last ten games. They get, uh, the Mariners are underachieving, but not a bad team. It's not like beating the Oakland A's for three games. Right. Where they're literally, right. they're playing in sewage, and uh, they <laughs> their their record is sewage. But the good news is you get two more games against the Mariners, and then this weekend you travel to Kansas City. Oh, Kansas God. City, I don't know if oh. you saw this. This morning their owner came out, or like one of like the, the members of the family that owns the Royals. They came out and they wrote, an open letter to the fans basically apologizing for how bad they are because they're trying to get a new stadium built. Right. But they're on pace to win like 50 games all summer. Oh. And so so the owner came out and said, uh, basically to sum up the thousand words of, of drivel, we're sorry, we're trying to get this thing back to where it was, and mm-hmm. we may need your help paying for like a $2 billion stadium. So uh, so you get that team this weekend. You can keep this thing going if you... Uh, you keep getting some hits because my long history with baseball and loving baseball forever you say the words kansas city i think of george brett every time <laughs> I, yeah, just in fact, I think i think it was i saw a clip over the weekend i think it was the anniversary this last weekend of the uh, the pine tar thing remember oh, yeah. that yes sir where he had too much pine tar he didn't he hit a home run against the yankees or something mm-hmm. like a big home run and uh great gamesmanship and the yankees Said, eh, that, that, why don't you check that bat for uh, for pine? So they set they set it on home plate. They like measure, you know, if the pine tar is is greater than the width of home plate, then I guess you get ejected. And he almost murdered the umpire. <laughs> God, he was what a great player, what a phenomenal. That's one thing about baseball. I just, you know, look, I'm a basketball fan, a football fan. I don't know much about hockey, but you know, a lot a lot of friends that played hockey back in the day. I mean, Louie Nanny. What what more do you want to say about hockey than Lou Nanny, right? Legend, legend, legendary. But but the baseball thing, I just I, I have loved baseball since I was nine years old. The Twins first uh, came to town from Washington, and I look back at all those players like the George Bretts of the world, and it just God, great memories. Great. Who memories. are like I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot with this one, but you bring up George Brett. Who are like your favorite? Take Twins players off the board, because you got a bunch of favorite Twins players. I do have obviously. a bunch of favorite, and I, and three that hate my guts, so that's good. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll take we'll take it that complicated exactly. web out of the equation. Who are what? What is like your Mount Rushmore? Your four favorite 
all-time baseball players, Tom. I can't say this publicly because I'll never hear the end of it. Do well, it. half of them are probably, they're probably dead anyways. I mean, uh, uh, Ted Williams. Ted Williams, God, phenomenal. Are they still um, freezing his head, by the way? That's what they say. It's sitting on a tuna can. Remember, they claim the, <laughs> they said it on a tuna can. You know that part's not true, but it sounds cool. Does that help cool. prop it up or something? <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess. All right, we'll start. But And I'm not saying this just because we're really good friends, all the rest of it, but I loved Herbeck as a player because he was just a big fella, could hit big home runs. He, he Here's a guy at the time, uh, 6'5", about 240, could do the splits at first base. I said, that's my kind of guy right there, man. <laughs> he could, I forgot, he could literally do the splits. At literally. The that's a, that, it, it, keep writing down these YouTube ideas here. See if current Kent Herbeck can can get anywhere near doing the splits. Let's go we, out to his house with a videography ask, team. We can ask him on Friday. A videography team and a physical therapy team. Yeah, oh, there right. you go. But okay, so it can't be the twins because all all four of them would be twins. There's no question about that. George Brett sounds like George Brett. George is on Brett that list one, for you. would be, definitely be on the list. Um, couple of Boston players, I hate to admit that, but, you know, it, I don't, there are so many, Phil. The, the problem is I have so many guys that I looked up to in baseball just thought, my God, these people are, are just, what the hell? I'm trying to think of his name. Who does a guy played for Boston and uh, legendary well, Carl Carly Ostremski oh, yeah, was the yeah, batting was, champion from back in the day. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. player. For me, I, so I grew up, <clears throat> my, my dad's side of the family uh, grew up in Kankakee, Illinois, just about 45 minutes outside Chicago. So the, the and I was born in Minnesota, so I was a Twins fan as a kid. But I was the Cubs were always like my secondary. Team. Sure. Oh yeah. So I grew up, and some of my favorite Andre Dawson was one of my favorite Loved players. Him. Yep. In the late, so basically late eighties, nineties Cubs players. So for me, it's like Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, uh, Mark Grace, one of the last players to not oh, sure. wear batting gloves. Remember yeah. him? He just like he like set his cigarette down on the bat like home plate. And, uh, you know, tap the dirt off his cleats. And then before I found out that he was not only taking steroids, but also corking his bat, Sammy Sosa was my favorite player for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I remember that. He... And there was, there was an interleague game against Baltimore in, like, the early 2000s. And he had, like, four years of hitting 65 home runs every year. Nobody questioned anything, by the way. It's like, whoa, this is great. These guys are just hitting 70 bombs. And there was a game in Baltimore where Sammy Sosa, with his, like, elastic sleeves tight around those manufactured sure. biceps <clears throat> he hits a bomb or something and, and actually i think he i think he broke his bat grounding into a double play and the bat shatters and all these other like little pieces go shattering with it and the umpires were picking pieces of cork up off the infield grass for like 20 minutes oh and that's when we found out yeah okay we, we kind of thought he was on steroids and he's also corking his bat so well remember how much sure he used to that. sweat Sosa yeah. sweat. Oh my God! When he was on steroids, <laughs> is that a steroid thing? Oh God, yes. Is sweating. Weightlifters. Do they make you sweat more? Oh God, yes. You go to a gym with weightlifters. There, you literally better have swim fins with you. Well, that makes sense because yeah. right, it's a hormonal exertion yeah. extreme, and so like yep. when you're pregnant, you sweat a lot too, and it's oh, a lot sure. of hormones. So I could see that. 
Did you get a pimply back like you get with steroids? I didn't. I did not. I just. That's good. I got the the biggest uh, side effect was having a baby inside of me. That was probably. (laughs) That'll do it. How come there's no more bad guys? Yeah. I was gonna say, how come there's no more bad guys? I mean, you mentioned like Sammy Sosa. There's no more bad guys in baseball. Like Like, I miss the heels of baseball. Like I grew up in the like late '80s Oakland A's, like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, and Nolan Ryan was getting in fights with everybody. Like that's what I want back in baseball. Like bring me back guys. Canseco was a bad guy when he played, and then when he got done playing, he said, I'm going to write a book about all the other bad guys oh, yeah. without so their permission. Here's That's like phenomenal. 150 players who did steroids. Screw everybody. I'm Jose Canseco. That's Great. what I'm saying. Pete Rose is out there still just floating around in the world. Like They should really start another, like the XFL of baseball and just bring back all the disgraced guys. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll do as many drugs yeah. as they want, and let's just see what happens. Love I mean, that. I'd love to see Sammy hit 100 bombs. On just so much TRT that you could literally melt like through a, uh, a oh, piss yeah. cup. It'd be great. Sammy's also the only guy from that era. I feel like everyone else pretty much has either been smoked out through like, you know, like they've been caught doing steroids or they've just come out like Jason Giambi and Mark McGuire did Alex Rodriguez. They did like the apology. And Sammy Sosa is like the only one who's still holding out. I did not. All these other guys who also hit. 85 home runs in, in, in the same season did steroids. I did not do steroids. Sammy, it's okay, man. Like, it was 25 years ago. Just uh, just admit it at this point. Mark McGuire was great because yep. he'd be standing in front of his locker, like, in 1998. And the media, I'm not, like, picking at the media, but he'd literally have these bottles of pills, like Andro and the cream and the clear <laughs> and all this stuff, just in his locker while, while he's being interviewed. And like, are those, is that vitamin D? Like, what is that? You could just cease bottles of steroids and supplements and HDH and nobody thought to ask him anything or you couldn't Google anything back in 1998, really. So I guess they just let it slide. Okay. Two quick ones. One, because I saw him and the bat was not broken, by the way. Everybody always thinks the bat was, was, had already snapped a little bit. It was not. Jim Rice walked away from the uh, plate at the old Met Stadium and snapped a bat in half. Give that a whirl sometime. See how far you get snapping a bat. Well, like in like half. over his knee or his no, head or just how? with his arms. What? Oh, what? Boom! I'm like, holy God! I mean, it's imp- I can't even get it to bend, much less break it. It was unbelievable. No, that sounds I can't dangerous. fathom no. it. It's just wild. And then the other big one, of course, would be Fear Strikes Out. He would be one of my favorites of all time. Just what he went through and all the rest of it. Great movie. You ever seen the movie Fear Strikes Out? I have not. It's uh, Jimmy Pearsall, though, right? It's Jimmy Pearsall. And one of the reasons I loved him so much, he was a great player. I mean, he played through hell with his emotions and his brain malfunctions and all the rest of it. But when he and Harry were doing the booth together, uh, with the White Sox first and then then with the Cubs, I think. I think Pearsall went went uh, to the Cubs with him, didn't he? I think. Boy, if, but I don't uh, remember. If, 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 so you're saying he and Harry Carey were uh, were a broadcast booth for a while? That's oh like my god! Blast. So Harry gives it the Jimmy. Look behind the plate there. Look at all those women sitting back there. The wives of all the players. Look at them. And Pierce Hall pauses and says, "Bunch of filthy whores." I can't <laughs> on television. I can't. It's like what? And like you'd be like that thing where you're doing something else, like have the game on in the background, and it stops you in your tracks. I'm sorry, what? Why would you say? But Jimmy had some mental problems. You do remember that. 
Yeah. Can you imagine though, like today's like like Valley Sports? Yeah. You're watching a Twins game, and you know Dick Dick Bramer, and uh, look at there's where the player wives are sitting. Dick throws it to Justin Morno, and Morno says, "Filthy whores." Because we'd have that recorded, we'd have that sent out everywhere. And that would be tune. That, well, yeah, exactly. That would be the audio you'd use in a TikTok constantly. You filthy whores. Well, Bert Bert Blylevin came the closest in the one yes. that didn't come. Yeah. Is he thought they were pre-recording their intro yes. like 15 years ago. Yep. And he, he kind of stumbles over the stats. And by the way, it was uh, Anthony LaPanta was filling in for Dick Bramer that oh, day. Oh, sure. And uh, I don't know. I know. I know. I know. We we can drop f bombs here, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna say the f the the f word. But Burt Blylevin goes like he pauses after like fumbling his statistics and goes, oh, we got to start this effing thing over again because I just <laughs> effed it up." <laughs> And the video Bert. package is still playing. They're like showing Derek Jeter and Tori Hunter and <laughs> Anthony LaPanta in one of the greatest attempts at a save all time. There's like a beat of a pause and he goes, and Tori Hunter was two for four. Like, like, <laughs> I love it. Pa- and everybody they come, does they come back things. and they're just like, they've got the two shot. They're both live on camera and Bert's just staring and LaPanta just keeps going, right? You know, Coming up next on Twins Live. You know. <laughs> live. The key part here is live. Is- does baseball stand alone in that? More of that stuff happens around baseball than any other sport, as far as I can tell. Correct? Oh, yeah. You, you had, uh, who was it? It was um, Tom Brenneman, right, with the Reds? Oh, he, yeah. He, he was, it was like a hot mic, and he was commenting on some gal in the crowd during a commercial yes, break sir. or something. And then he comes back like a couple innings later, and he's, he's clearly being told, by his bosses during the game. You need to apologize. We had a hot mic. Oh. Uh, your career is probably over, but let's get through the game and see what happens. And uh, Nick Castellanos was the hitter who was up for the Reds. And Tom <laughs> Brenneman is literally like <laughs> clinging to his career live on this broadcast. I'm so sorry. This does not represent who I am as a man, as a father. And there's a deep drive to left by Castellanos, <laughs> and the game is tied. <laughs> Love that about baseball. Got to pause the career uh, apology and call the home run. <laughs> Phil, you got to go, unfortunately. We're on a roll here, man. This has been fun. Well, I'll see you guys later this week. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing probably back Friday here, and we can, uh, we can clown around with your favorite all-time baseball player. You're, and if you see Judd today, walk up to him and go, you filthy whore. You, <laughs> yeah. Judd, Judd, you filthy whore, you. <laughs> Phil, thank you, sir. All right. See you guys. Great having you on. Oh, that was a great. I love reports like that. He gets very enthusiastic. He, I mean, he loves the sports, you can mm-hmm. tell. Gets very enthusiastic about them. But, Patrick, it sounds like you're kind of a baseball fan yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From way back when. So, I, it's funny because I, I told you I grew up in Michigan, but right. you know, I was, what, nine years old when the, when the 91 Twins were World Series, and that became my team. Like, that was my team. Yeah. And I didn't move out to Minnesota for another, you know, 15 years or something. Oh, but, really? oh, yeah. So, I mean, you talk about Herbeck and Kirby <clears throat> Puckett and all those guys. That was, that was my, you know, nine, 10, 11-year-old. Patrick's like wheelhouse right there. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I just love that stuff. Oh, by the way, speaking of Detroit, you've heard of the Top Hat, haven't you? The Top Hat? Oh, the store? Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. A, it's a, it's a, uh, like a club, I guess, kind of a club. Uh, slash. Yes. Okay. So, you know about that one? I, th- I think I'm familiar with that I one. I still hold the record last honky to ever go in there. 
<laughs> it's true. And the funny thing about it was, I didn't know. No. I don't know any better or whatever. So I walk in. I'm the only white guy in the entire place. And the great thing about it was, they embrace it like, man, you get the balls to come in here. We got to buy you a drink. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But funny. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what the hell, I, where I was going. I was just in town. Doing some voice so work. They have like a, do they have like a plaque for you? They like should. The oh, final that's... honky? Is that, is that there? <laughs> final yes. honky the in the top half. Because everyone honky. looking, they'd be like, oh, they would assume that guy just got killed. They'd be like, oh, he was the last one because he was the last one. <laughs> right. Like, that was they it. So, yes. No, they thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. they, like, didn't you know? I said, no, man, I'm not from here. No. Well, let me buy you a drink. Man. I think that happens to you all the time because you are such a moseyer. I could see you moseying and all I do mosey sorts a lot. Of, you do. Right. You are one to mosey. I am one to mosey. There's like, no question. I bet you find yourself in places where you go, should I be here? Yeah, kind of like the top hat. But no. they were so nice to me, it was unbelievable. Not one person was a pain in the ass. They thought it was hilarious that I would come in there. But I said, well, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, it's still hilarious. Yeah, it is. Because he said, you know, you open the door, you can look in and go, well, wait a minute. But I was like, yeah. whatever. Mosey on in. Well, mosey on in. Let's go. They serve drinks here. I'll go in there. That's done. <laughs> Drinking is it's the, the great equalizer. They're like, oh, you, you can drink. Yes, you're, you're welcome here. We can make that work. So there you go. Okay, one serious moment. Let's do it. A guy from Detroit. Yes. Does it drive you nuts what they've done to that city? Because it drives me nuts, and I'm not even from there. You mean just kind of the gentrification of it? Yeah, I mean, it's just all, all the, Ford, I think, is the only one still there. I mean, it's it's interesting if you go to Detroit now, because right. if you go to the actual, like, center of the city, mm-hmm. it's so gentrified. They've got a light rail. They've got I I mean, so much Detroit. family entertainment. There's so much fun stuff. Yep. And, yeah, business is weird there. Business is it very is. weird because, yeah, it used to be, like you said, you'd think about it as very much like a car town. And now it's, you know, CompuWare is there, and they've got the, I can't remember, the mortgage company. And those are the heavy hitters in Detroit mm-hmm. now. Nobody really talks about outside of Detroit, but they're the ones who are pumping the money into town. And it's funny because I worked in downtown Detroit when I was, you know, fresh out of college, and that's when, like, everything disappeared. And that was when all the stereotypes about Detroit that you hear now, when I was working down there in 2004, that's when they were real. That's when those were <laughs> those were very real things to see in downtown Detroit. You know, it's not like that anymore, but it was... It was very much my experience back then. So it's always kind of funny when you hear people talk about it now, and I'm like, oh, you should have been there in 04. That's that's when Detroit was Detroit. Yeah, oh, the whole different time. Did you ever, uh, looking back, I don't even know how, it's a long time ago now, but the original Detroit Tiger Stadium, did you ever get to go there as a little boy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Went there a bunch of times. Oh, God, I loved that place. That was great. It was great, great yeah. And that's when it was fun, too, because... I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but that was when you'd have all around the stadium where all the vendors yep. and all those guys, yep. and you never see it anywhere. That was my favorite part of going to games when I was God, little, was, was you know, you'd get to go down. You'd never buy anything at the actual game because you could buy all your food, all your <laughs> souvenirs, all your everything you could ever want before you ever even made it within a half mile of the stadium. That was the best part of it. So, Got to be honest, it's I, to me, to this day, it's still the most underrated city in America. I love Detroit. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's I a do. great place. It's a great town. No question yes. about it. And it's, it's so funny because, yeah, the people who hate Detroit, I'm always like, I don't think you've been to Detroit. If you go to I Detroit, agree. you're going to be very... Pleasantly surprised by. It. I'm, I'm apparently now the uh, the tourism director for the city of Detroit. <laughs> well, apparently that's what well, I'm no, doing I like this morning. Questions like that because you know, a lot of people, even if they did live in Michigan or any, they live near Detroit, but they didn't live in yes. Detroit. So you know that to, to sit down and talk to somebody about that because I I've been there many many times. A friend of mine lives there now, as a matter of fact. Probably go to visit him someday. But it's just another one of those. The only town I've ever been to, I didn't really care for. And I don't hate it, but I didn't really care for Houston. Because I've never been to Houston. It's okay, but most yeah. other cities, like like I said, Detroit has got that very special part of it that I just loved. 
Yes. Well, and it's funny because it's when I first moved to Minnesota, I went downtown for the first time. I'd never been to Minneapolis or anything before, mm, and it okay. was huge. I thought it was the coolest city I'd ever seen because I'd right. never seen like a big city that was thriving because Detroit really wasn't there yet. Right. And now it's totally flip-flopped. If you go to downtown Minneapolis, there's oh, not yeah. much happening. But if you go to downtown Detroit, it's booming. Like there's so much cool stuff to see. They moved the hockey team down there. They moved the – well, they were down there before, but the basketball team down there. They got mm-hmm. a new state, and they got everything in Detroit now. So it's it's kind of funny. Apparently, wherever I move, I just tank cities. You just That's what I just ruin the whole deal yes. way to go. I am, I am the plague of, you know, I'm killing off elderly comedians. I I'm know. ruining cities. This is what I do. So you leave a trail of death. Yeah. You bring, Happy Tuesday to you guys. You bring down cities, but you bring up podcasts. That's hey, amazing. So thank hey. you so much, Patrick. You know what? If I can if I can bring up the podcast here in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, then I'll kill every comedian in that book if that's what it takes. <laughs> that's what it takes. I'll do Damn it. it. You're more it. dedicated I'll than I am. I'll sink a city. I'll kill a comedian. Whatever it takes for the Tom Bernard listenership. Oh, you're great. Thank God, you. that would be wonderful. <laughs> do you? The one thing I really do miss, and I only we only got about a minute left here, but I, one thing I really, really miss is for years, 25, 30 years, every Thursday and Friday there would be a comedian in this studio. Yes. And they don't come in a lot anymore. We got lucky last week. Uh, one of you my had uh, Lori, people, right? Lori was yes, in last week. Great. She, I Martin, love her. Yeah. I love her, but you just don't see... They just don't come to town much anymore. They don't come to town, and nobody wants to get up early. That's my no, that's, that's my old man true, rant here. Is I remember, I remember the old days. No, when I was a kid. Yes, I mean it was funny because we were talking about how when you were in New York, you didn't have to get up early. Every argument I've had with every comedian when it comes to media and PR is they're like, it's what time? And I'm like, yeah. it's at 7.30 in the morning. They're like, ugh. <laughs> and I just call in from my bed. I'm like, get your ass something down there. Like, you want to move tickets? Get down there. There you go. There's my old man rant about comics today. Rudy, you're the only one willing to get up early. You know, when Mike Brody comes in on the show, yes. I'm always like, thank you. Because at least we're setting an example for some of these younger kids that are just yep. like, I'll just post about it on Facebook. I'm All like, right. so you can have seven people know that you're, you could have hundreds of thousands of people know, or you're just going to post to seven. Right. And you're right. They'd rather just sit around and complain about it. I'm like, you can be proactive in your own career. They're the same ones who will then turn around and bitch because they'll be like, well, my friend said they were going to come support my show and nobody showed up to my show. And I'm like, well, you told the same eight people over and over and over. No, yeah. they didn't show yeah, up. Right. Yeah. yeah, we're sick of seeing your set, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Give us a descriptor, your own descriptor of your book. Oh, man. My own descriptor of my book. Um, It's it's the, I mean, I was going to say it's the rise and fall, but it's literally what it says on the cover. I mean, it's something that that came from nowhere. There was no stand-up comedy scene. It's not like there was a preface. There was no, oh, here's kind of how they were doing it, and then they built on it. It was something that came from nothing, and it was a group of individuals who didn't really know what comedy was or how you did it, and it exploded into this giant, incredible thing. And then it kind of crashed because everybody left, and right. then it built itself back up, and that's where we're at today. Is it's it's exploded back to to the levels that it once was, and it's because of the work of a lot of guys in this book. So it's a lot of interesting stories. There's some controversy in there. I I had several comedians call me afterwards who were not excited about what it said in those books. Um, Louis was funny though. Louis called me because people called the bitch to him, and he goes. I read my part, and I liked my part. And I'm like, that's all I needed to hear, Louie. He didn't care if anybody else was mad. He's like, my part's good. So 
So that's what it is. It's if you love comedy, you'll like it. If you've never been to a comedy club, you're gonna recognize names. You're gonna love it. And if you just want to see again what comics had to say about Tom Bernard, join. Uh, oh, funny thing about Minnesota. I didn't read that part. Pick it up. Yes. No. And it's uh, it's fantastic. It's it was a lot of fun to write, and I think it's. You know, I mean, it's it's not just for history nerds. How's that? No, no, that's a good way to put it. I think it's a great way to put it. Well, thank you so much for coming. Hey, in today. thank you guys. It's a lot of fun. I well, appreciate it. Come back soon. And, and All right, sounds good. Where do you get the book? Oh, you can get it. I mean, if you're in Minnesota, you can get it at pretty much any bookstore. Otherwise, I mean, obviously, Amazon or wherever your favorite uh, book retailers are. But oh yeah, if you're in Minnesota, go to Barnes and Noble, go to the Mall of America. I'm sure they have one copy, but you can get that one copy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every big <laughs> independent bookstore has it. Or you can go to the Minnesota Historical Society if you're. Taking your weekend tour of the History Center. Stop into the gift shop. There you go. There uh, we are. And Patrick's going to be secretly signing random ones around Minnesota. So It's not even going to be secret. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to sign it. I just signed this one. I'm going to be the guy you mentioned who was like, please laugh. That's going to be <laughs> not that's gonna be me, except in book form. Like, please read my book. That's, so. Yeah, that's me in person form. So you're fine. <laughs> Patrick, thank you very much. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Good we'll job, take Patrick. a break. Be right back. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. Listen live on the Tom Bernard Show app or at TomBernardShow.com. Hi, this is Tom Bernard. My friends at Niemeyer Trailer Sales at their Albertville location just off Interstate 94 would like to extend a special offer going on now through the end of July. It's for all our Tom Bernard Morning Show listeners. When you visit their Albertville location, mention that you heard me, Tommy B., uh, tell you about this July-only savings opportunity on travel trailers and pick up campers. Now, you must be a qualified buyer, but here's the really good news. Receive up to $5,000 off the advertised price on all their new in-stock inventory. As always, terms and conditions do apply. Brands include Rockwood by Forest River, Arctic Fox by Northwood Manufacturing, Cirrus by New Camp, and more. Now is a real good time to buy and take your passion on the road with Niemeyer Trailer Sales. You can't just sit around. See my guys and gals at Niemeyer's in Albertville or peruse their current inventory at Niemeyer's.com. That's N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-S.com. Niemeyer's.com. The up to the five grand off sales event ends July 31st. The new Tom Bernard Morning Show is proud to have partners like Bradshaw and Bryant, MyPillow, and North American Banking Company founder, chairman, and president, Mike Bilski. I've advertised on Tom's show for years, and the reason is simple. My business is recognized because of the ads, and that recognition has created growth. What business doesn't want to grow? I highly recommend the Tom Bernard Morning Show for your advertising. Grow results for your business by partnering with the Tom Bernard Morning Show. Visit TomBernardShow.com, keyword partner. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you. Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 
I had to do it. I almost had to do the Sammy Davis Jr. deal. Mm-hmm. Here come the judge. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Barinholtz, how are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How are you doing this morning? Well, now, magnificent now that you're here, but I just, uh, I love the show, but I'm telling you, Alan, your character, you kill that. that it's wonderful. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, you know, you're very convincing, but like, I... I don't know that I'd want to stand uh, in front of you and be judged by you, whether it's an act or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got plenty of experience standing before hundreds of judges in my career and either being chastised or complimented, so I kind of get it. Alan Baranos with us, ladies and gentlemen, jury duty, promoting the show and his life as a lawyer turned actor. How How old were you when you decided, you know what, being a lawyer is great, but I'd like to be an actor. Well, let's see. I graduated from Ohio State 50 years ago with a, a theater degree, Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater. I tried stand-up comedy for a couple of years, and then I went to law school. And uh, it kind of never uh, left my blood. And then my both my boys are out here in Los Angeles. My older son, Ike, my younger son, John, they're successful actors and writers. And... Uh, I got a phone call from uh, my kid about a year and a half ago that we had a mutual friend who worked for a showrunner, and the showrunner said, uh, do you know anybody who's a retired or semi-retired judge or attorney who's done some improv? <laughs> and our friend said, well, yeah, we've, uh, our lawyer back in Chicago, when his kids come to town, he does some improv with them. And the next thing I know, I was asked if I want to submit a tape. I came out here for Thanksgiving, and... With my kid's help, I submitted this one-minute tape, and for some ungodly reason, I got cast in jury duty. And uh, now I live out here, and it wasn't for the show that I moved out here. I've got five grandkids out here, so that's the the reason. The show, uh, the incredible success of the show was just a big benefit, and now I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and uh, when I'm off the phone in about an hour, I'm going to go pick it uh, like a good union member does. (laughs) There you go. I'm I'm having a ball. That's how it should be. I, I tell you, honest to God, it, uh, in my life, it's in, I've never been on a, on a jury in my life because as a public figure, they don't like you being on juries anyway. Sure. But my wife, Catherine, many years ago, was on a double murder jury for oh 10 my. months. Dang. Oh, my. 10 months she was on that That's jury. <laughs> but I will tell you something. She loves jury duty. She loves you. She said, that's about how it goes. She said, I know it sounds weird, but that's pretty much doing jury duty. You you agree with that? Well, I hope they didn't sequester her for 10 months. uh, No, about a month. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of boring from a day-to-day standpoint, and I think some of that boredom for want of better words, is what helped ground the show so that Ronald didn't get too suspicious. Um, yeah, there's highs and lows. There's no question about it. God, it's so amazing. Because I did, by the way, he did get convicted of double murder. He yeah. murdered his friend, or his, I think maybe it was his wife or sister or something, uh-huh. murdered her by burning the house down, and then hired a lawyer oh. to protect him, and then murdered the lawyer, too. <laughs> Oh, my God. Right out of Shakespeare. Right out of Shakespeare, exactly. So, Alan, uh, he goes to prison. He just died. I think he just died in prison. But he goes to prison, 
And about a month after he's in prison, I get a letter at my house from him blaming me for his conviction. He said, your filthy wife was on my jury. This is your fault. I'm like, what? That, that, yeah, that makes you feel good that you don't want to look over your shoulder at night. I get that. <laughs> Alan, I have a question for you. Hypothetically speaking, say you're at a Twins game and a guy gets Cheddarwurst sauce all over your brand new Ken <laughs> Herbeck jersey. What sort of legal recourse does a man have? Well, the, the question is, am I going to defend me for beating him up for screwing my jersey? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Great question. Yeah. We will tell the offender this. <laughs> yes. Or am I going to sue him for, for property damage? Mm -hmm. You know, you got to figure out uh, what the tactic is. Mm -hmm. Good. Got an amazing. So you, you uh, practice law in Chicago, is that correct? I still have my license in yeah. Illinois. I, I'm also licensed in Ohio. Uh, and I still do a lot of arbitration work as an arbitrator, which is like sitting as a judge, but without a jury. So uh, I'm not giving that up in case the legal career doesn't pan out. I'm sorry, the acting career doesn't matter. Well, it's still a legal career that you're acting. That you're a judge. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out beautifully. But I, I got to believe being a judge in Chicago in, is an, an interesting job. A little business coming through uh, the court system once in a while. Well, I mean, I, I, I've never been a judge in Chicago. I've right. been a, a trial attorney in Chicago right. and been in front of hundreds of judges. And uh, Chicago is a great place. To, uh, to practice law, in, in my opinion. Uh, there's good judges, there's bad judges, there's judges who know the law, there's judges who, who know the game, so to speak. And uh, it's, it's a one, I, I, I have no regrets uh, deciding to not use my theater degree and go into law. But now this is a new chapter in my life, so maybe that theater, theater degree is coming in handy again after 50 years. Well, I know we only have one more minute left with you, Alan, but I will tell you, and I'm very serious about this, I love the show, and one of the reasons I do love the show so much is your job on that show has the you're trying to keep everybody under control. They're acting like complete jackasses. <laughs> it's quite the show. It's a great show. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. All right, well, please come back, Alan. We'd love to have you on again, sir. Would love to come back. You guys have a great day and a great week. Thank you, sir. Jury Duty streaming now on Amazon's Freebie. Alan Barinholtz, he is terrific in he that He is, show. and he starts out so warm, and you're like, how yes. is he going to pull this off? Yes. And then in the show, he has this like scene where somebody breaks into his car, and all of a sudden he just kind of turns into a, a, you know, like really mm -hmm. irritated. And they did a really good job explaining that arc, like in a way that wasn't in your face. That was like, like they did a great job with that. I agree. But he is a big part of that show. Oh, yeah. I think he's a bigger part of that show than James Marsden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. James Marsden. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He was good, but I, you're right. I would say that Alan is the anchor. He steers the ship, kind of like I do on this show. Well, let me close up my <laughs> computer on that one and just say we'd, we'd love to schmooze, but we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.